Hello, I'm Matthew Stepanek. And I'm Rayanne Haynes. And this is Let's Get Lit. In every episode, we interview poets of stature about their work and about the power and relevancy of poetry in order to support it and promote poetry, the arts, and literacy. In a conversational style, we'll enjoy a glass of wine, chosen to match the poet's personality and style, while learning more about each poet and asking why poetry matters to them. Hopefully we'll be able to maintain our composure as we move closer to some form of bacchanal truth. We would like to acknowledge our interview takes place on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Pappas Chase, Nakota Sioux, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant communities. We'd like to thank wine expert Gervinder Batia for his generosity as the podcast wine sponsor. Our pairings come from Gervinder's private cellar. Let's Get Lit is presented with the Writers Guild of Alberta, and we're grateful for their support in promoting and sharing this podcast. As you're listening, feel free to share your thoughts on the conversation with us on Twitter at Let's underscore Lit. Uh, today, we're joined by Pierrette Requier, uh, Edmonton's sixth poet laureate, uh, who is a child of Les Grandes Prairies Canadiennes, a bilingual poet, playwright, performer, producer, and mentor. Mm. Although her work constantly brings her to new places, her pieces come from some deep core of home in her, a rising up of words, a rhythm through the ears like a heartbeat, a surging like the August wind in the leaves. Uh, wherever she finds herself, she plants her feet in the sustaining earth and absorbs. As a writer-slash-performer collaborator, her deepest interest is in sharing the delight of la langue vivant, language mm. in motion, language that is constantly evolving, thus lends itself to a new artistic creations. Pirette, uh believes that poetry is an inexhaustible resource and loves to share this wealth, and we're very grateful to have her sharing it with us today. Welcome, Pierre. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, well, we're delighted that you're here. Um, I get to talk to you about your wine this evening because, as you know, with our podcast, we always uh, match a poet with a wine. And um, our wine for this evening, which you've already had a sip of, is a Bartier Brothers Merlot from the Cirquier Vineyard from 2014. And... Winemaker Michael Bartier likes to wax lyrically about the Cirquier vineyard. The vineyard has a dense loam topsoil above gravel with limestone-covered granite, quartz, and basalt. And Michael says that irrigation and groundwater accept minerals from, from these rocks and in turn deliver them to the vines, causing a profound effect on the grapes. The vines are aged between 9 and 11 years, and the result is a Merlot that's treading the stony, silky line with a pure, fresh, savory, black cherry, salty, fruity flavor while assimilating the oak. And I think we were kind of talking about that when we tasted it. But what he says is it's impressive and steak-worthy. Well. Oh. <laughs> we should so, We should have. And so for you tonight, I truly believe that you also balance the lines between stony and silky. And that is to say that your work 
balances different languages, different cultures and times in your life, and different ways of looking at the world. And I think that you are that unique poet who embraces home and language while also looking outward and forward and asking us to do the same. And so um, I thought that this fits very well with who you are as a poet and what you do in the community as a poet. And so um, we're honored to welcome you here this evening and to enjoy this wine with you. Well, I'm certainly honored to be here this evening and what an introduction. I love this wine thing <laughs> for many reasons. It seems to bring so many words out of people, so many poetic words. And thank you for that introduction. Um, you read my poetic bio very well. Thank you. I, I prepared it just, you know, a couple of times in the mirror. Oh, Didn't did you? Didn't like sit across from me oh. and not, not read it poorly. Also, I think I was inspired by the Merlot. You know, I had a couple sips of it and I was just mm-hmm. imbibing carrots. Yes. Um, like you know your 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 spirit. It's a it's a wonderful idea, and of course, when you say inviting my spirit, I mean this this is spirit. Wine is spirit, mm-hmm. and just the, the idea of the loam and the stones and everything you said just was wow. What a wonderful writer you are, Bayad. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, I found it interesting that like the the, the winemaker says that it's like steak worthy. Yeah. But, like I was finally like thinking like. I enjoyed this because I was like, oh, this feels like a Merlot that I can just drink by itself. Like, normally, like, Merlot seems too, like, too bold and overpowering. Uh-huh. But this one, this one's good. And, like, salty. Yeah, it's salty. Word, he used but, the like, word salty. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I sensed something when I when I drank it. I thought, it's the first time I've... There's something about it, how, the way it hits the tongue. Yeah. And when I was reading up on the wine and, um, you know, he he was talking about how he said that it's almost like the the, the vines are feeding off the rocks mm-hmm. to to uh, to kind of pull from the, the salt from the rocks into the wine. And I thought, well, that's a really unique way mm-hmm. of looking at it. So I, I liked his way of looking at how things are created. And it reminded me of how you look at things you know, in different ways and that kind of that place of being in this place and on this land and how that feeds into your creative uh, process mm-hmm. from what I know of you. So my name is Pierrette and Pierre in French is rock. Oh. And a Pierrette is a little stone. Wow. <laughs> this is, ooh. I'm good. Yeah. You knew it or like there was like a We ghost. are connected. <laughs> we are. Something touched you to pick that bottle, you know. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think so. Cool. Cool. Language, <laughs> fun with language on Let's Get Lit. Yes, language and wine. wine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, wow. Well, um, well, let's talk to you, uh, Pierrette, about other things. Um, how are you tonight? Tonight I'm excellent. I just had a 10th interview with um, a person uh, who's involved in um, this playwriting I'm doing for the city of Grand Prairie because of the... Um, it's the 50th anniversary of the official language laws in Canada, and Grand Prairie is officially a bilingual city because people from the ACFA, the Francophone Organization, uh, one of the Francophone Organizations of Alberta, has done a really, really good job of meeting the community. You know, hmm. Bridge building like I did a little bit when I was Poet Laureate. Right. You go to the Anglophone state, look what we've got to offer, how can we help, how can we be on board with you about everything in the community. So I interviewed the last person, and he was really interesting because he had a completely different point of view. He's Anglophone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, his father was in the military, and 
he ended up being in Germany in kindergarten, and he had to take French because he studied another language. Right. And, you know, so that was a, an exciting day, and, and somehow as I was working with him, I, I could feel the nine other interviews that I, that I did with mm. people who come from different areas in the world and who speak different kinds of French, and that's all in that little city of Grand Prairie. So it was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very fine tonight. Okay. <laughs> and how did you? How did that come about? Doing these interviews and and become being getting involved with that. Well, a, a play was commissioned because uh, the uh, one of the. Um, directors of the CFO in Grand Prairie uh, loves theater and um, he had seen my, my, my play that was done in 2015 and thought I was maybe the best person to write a play about um, with a theme of uh, languages and what's it like to live a, a minority in, yeah. in Alberta and um, he wanted me to write the play and then to interview people so that at the end uh, there would be a part where um, he would they would show different facets of what it means to be francophone. It means mm. a lot of things. So I, I titled the play, Where Do You Come From? <laughs> um, because in Alberta, we all come from somewhere else. And, yes, we do. Um, in French, c'est d'où on vient. And it's kind of a... In French, there's a different... A little bit of a different connotation. D'où on vient? Where do we come from? And then, of course, anybody in... in anybody who has an accent is asked that all the time. Where do you, yeah. come, where do you come from? It's not a pleasant thing, yeah. but it's a, it's a bit of a... I, I use it as a bit of humor. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. When... when Do you know, like, when it'll be staged? The, the play will be staged in May. Oh, in at May. some oh, point okay. in May. They oh, so soon. They haven't a date yet. I've been working on it October, November, December, January, until, until today. <laughs> so it was, it was a fast write, in a way, but I did have... I did free up a lot of time to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is there is poetry a part of the play? Absolutely. Poetry oh. is part of the play. And there are quite a few bilingual pieces of poetry uh-huh. in there um, because um, a lot of the people of um, Grand Prairie are going to come. Some of the spouses of the Francophones are yeah. right, right. unilingual. Uh, some of their children might be unilingual. So I always kind of aim to work with both languages just to say they're both there all the time. Right. And they need not be alienated from one another we don't have to stay in our little little francophone silos or something like that we need to just appraise it and and show it off and also invite people who speak other languages languages other than french or english in this province and say love to hear you speaking polish great right yeah so we have we have all this language wealth in alberta because so many people come from elsewhere yes (laughs) yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. oh well that's really a great project i uh Will it? Do you think it'll come out of Grand Prairie, or it's just going to be there? Like it's not going to tour, or I'm not sure. I reserve the rights to the play, oh. um, and so depending on <laughs> depending on what happens there, I'm open to to it going on the road or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. not far Very for cool. a, a road trip from Edmonton. No, it's not so. far. I'll let no. people know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Are you reading anything interesting right now? Yes, I am reading um, an anthology of Oh, you poetry. brought it. I, I wrote an anthology. Um, I'm reading Staying Alive, Real Poets for Unreal Times, because we're living in unreal times politically. Yes, we are. And poetry is very, very healing to me, meaning making whole, when I feel mm. that the world might just, well, the political stuff might just 
crack us up, I just go to poetry and it was, um, this book was published in 2002 in England, oh, uh, wow. edited by um, Neil Astley and it got eaten up like hotcakes and then they re-edited it and they did it for America and then he actually inserted quite a few American poets in, in the book. Uh, it's just it's just a wonderful read, and hmm. uh, I had a friend Anne 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 and Gerard Marshall. Oh yes, yeah, yes, Anne yes. Thoughts. And occasionally, when I read a naughty one or a, a really great one <laughs> to cheer her up, I'll say, Anne, I've got, oh, have I got a poem for you? So it's my way of really staying healthily alive. Yeah. And so it's a huge book. But it I, is huge. I, We're looking at it right now. It's yeah. large. I've got I've I've gone through some real you know some uh, sometimes a whole section. Or if, if I get really, really anxious about stuff, I'll say, okay, you sit down now and you read 10 poems. That's your oh, poem. Oh, yeah. so you say that to yourself. I and say like... that to myself and it, it, it redirects my anxiety into creative. So I call it mm -hmm. riding, riding the wave of anxiety or riding the wave of nervousness. It can sharpen you. Yeah. Then I can write. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking it also might mm -hmm. help you feel good if you like beat a politician <laughs> with it. Like, it just looks it's heavy enough. enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've not thought of that before. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just like one of the things that I first think of when I see a large book that seems really Clonk. thick. Um, are you thinking of maybe doing an Alberta one? Since you're you're the expert on it, you know, like reading both editions, you should mm -hmm. reach out and see, you know, bring in some Alberta and Canadian poets and yeah. for our divisive time. Well, that's a project. I'll consider that. Thank yeah. you for that, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I might have some things to say mm -hmm. about you, Jason well. Kenny if, if, if you need something. For the future. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or you just need get, someone to get, get those poems written, and then I'll do the anthology. Oh, okay. We have it on record. <laughs> yeah, that's what's said. Yes. And like, if you like beat someone with the book, I can be your alibi. Okay. As well. Okay. That's my my two offerings. Okay. So the yeah. the other thing about reading for me is that mm. I I made a vow to myself at one point when I realized that my French was really not up to par. I made mm. a vow to give it five years that I would that I would read and listen to music and do do French more than 50% of the time. I, I really oh. committed and I've kept doing it. So I am reading uh, works written by Hubert Reeves, who is an astrophysicist. He was raised in Quebec, brilliant little boy, uh, and became an astrophysicist and, and he's won a lot of prizes for his work. Wow. Um, and so, uh, of course, he writes in French, but if you, if he's, he's be, he was interviewed um, by Mary Hines from Ideas. Mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah, uh, the Ideas program. He has a way of speaking about the, 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 the history of the evolution of the universe, like the Big Bang Theory until now, and who we are as human beings in that context. And the last book that he got published um, with a number of other very intelligent people concerned about the environment is called La Terre Vue du Coeur, The Earth as Seen from the Heart. Oh. It's a book of awesome, as you'll see, awesome, awesome photographs. It's beautiful. Essays, essays by, uh, here he is. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. So for our listeners, he's a he's a very stately but furry-faced <laughs> yeah. man who is, he, actually, he looks very kind. He's, he's, he's very kind, um, and his concern right now is with the environment, and he explains his concerns uh, by telling the story of the evolution of, 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 of the universe. 
Ah. From from complexity to etc etc. It's 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 hard stuff to read, but it's it's wonderful. And how he's gathered. He now lives in um, in France, and his 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 whole acreage um, is a a study and a gathering center for people who have a lot of impressive ideas about yeah. the environment and what to do with regards to children, with regards to the earth. Yeah. And also, they bring hope because they believe that you've, you've got to do something. And, and he says that politics is not going to do a whole heck of a lot for it. No, I And agree. he doesn't you know, rant about it. No time to rant. He's 86 and mm. he's, yeah. um, he's just happy to transmit what he knows and he does it really well. Uh, he said that in every city, and in so many cities, people are doing things. And to keep doing little things and to keep acting as if there is something you can do. Yeah. And these are concepts that I, that I learned in basic psychology right. when I was young. Right. So, and he's often asked about religion, and, and he's, he's, a, he's a pure scientist. And he said, you know, science tells you how it works. Mm. Science does not talk values. But he said human beings need need some place where they can extract values. And so mm -hmm. there's no fight. You know, he doesn't bl you know, blast religion and say it's all fairy tales. Right. And look how ridiculous it is. The other thing that he really adores is, is music, mm -hmm. um, classical music. So when Mary Hines interviews him on ideas, they speak. And then there's a little musical interlude and they speak. And he speaks English with, with a heavy French accent, but... Also very understandable. So right. he's who I'm reading right now. Hmm. Uh, I'd read him years ago, and I found this little book on my shelf. And at one day of you know, depression and fear about what's going on in the world, I, mm -hmm. I read that, and I went, oh, hmm. oh, Pieta, you have to you have to not stay little, yeah. little-minded and, and stuck on, on what politicians are do doing. You don't even believe <laughs> right. in them that much. Right. Um, and so, yeah, get reading. And I found this book um, at Carrefour, uh, our only French bookstore in Edmonton, and it got me reading and thinking about him. So that's what I'm reading. Wonderful. Um, I think you're the only guest we've ever had who has brought her books in with her to show us. So way to go. I love, I love <laughs> books. Yeah. I love to see them. I love to see them too. I love to see touch them and them touch and them and I mean, have got, the visual. He's got a series of little books like this, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, they're 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 beautiful. And they're in French, correct? They're in French, they're but in a French. lot because he's so famous. A lot of his books are translated. They're translated. Into English. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. So on that note of talking of kind of like. The healing power of poetry and reminding yourself not to remain little. Why don't you share with us one of your poems, um, poet? Um, particularly, we'd love to hear "Ghost" from you right okay. now. Okay. And "Ghost" comes from uh, Pierrette's book "Details from the Edge of the Village." I want to I want to say that um, the cover of the book is one of Ian Sheldon's paintings. Mm. It's a huge, huge painting. And uh, when Frontenac said that they would publish the book, I went to one of his shows. He's considered uh, Alberta's storm chaser. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he now lives in Jasper. And uh, I went to his show and I told him, I, I waited, you know, till people stopped talking to him. And I said, 
I'm having a book published and would you like to be on the cover of my book because I like your I like your paintings and I want this one on the cover of my book. How would that work? And he said, um, well, well, tell me more. So I did. Right, right. And um, I told Trontanac House that I thought I'd found a cover because he told me that I yes. had an essay on the cover. Yes. Which was lovely. Yes. And uh, I connected and two days later it was all arranged. Wonderful. <laughs> so ghosts um, um, goes something like this. Ghosts. When my throat was scratchy and my head throbbed and my nose burned from dry cold, when I didn't want to get out of bed, the ghosts of my settler ancestors came for me, lost adrift, a wailing, rattling old dried bones. And I get that they want me to speak for them, and my first thought is, there's nothing to say. There are no words for there are less than modest beginnings for the morsels of story that fell through the cracks, for the crumbs of anecdotes that left a sketchy path. What is the word for their beginning again and again, for an unsettling settling we have been taught to forget? And I sit mm. in the prairie en pu finir where they sweated and toiled. I fumble in my head, I poke, and I find bleak and sparse, and see slough and creak, and a row of skimpy trees as I spit out mouthfuls of mosquitoes, see their cattle die of swamp fever and one of their two horses step on its own tongue while grazing and pull it right out, as I see two sets of great-grandparents die in their shacks. Mm. I find the visuals in that poem so strong, right? The, the idea of the horse stepping on his tongue and pulling it out and it was so unexpected when I because when I was reading that poem I thought oh there's these you know these lines about the cracks in our foundation and the you know learning to unlearn or and then all of a sudden there was the the horse stepping on his tongue and yeah it was really I, I found it almost like you were pulling us into something different but then when once you read that, you were able to look back at perhaps what you had already read and see it from a different context. Mm -hmm. So um, I, it was one of my favorite poems in your collection. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I read it at Adverse Fest in Ottawa in, in November, and uh, um, a woman had, had read from her lovely no, poetry and and she had a ghost poem and it was so nice because i read right after her and she had one of these lines where i could segue right into this one oh. and it is often a, a favorite poem yeah a lot of people yeah thank yeah you. i think it's so strong thank you yeah thank you you're welcome um so in your book um it, the details from the edge of the village in the front description it states that this book is about growing up with what one is given what one is born into, the complexity and mystery of coming to age, the dance between delight and disappointment, terror and awe, right and wrong as one emerges into personhood. So you are a woman who has a lifetime, I feel like, of emerging into, um, emerging um, at your back. So from poet to playwright, performer to producer. And how do you feel that that emerging informs your writing today? Or that idea of emerging? I think that one of the things that formed me, that had a good formation for me, was to be an elementary school teacher oh. of French immersion. Um, because I had to consider language differently to reach the children. 
And I've always done a lot of poetry with children. I just thought everybody did it. And at one point mm. I realized, well, no, not everybody does this. Ah. Um, it's because um, I, I've been a poet for a long, long time, even before I wrote. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. before I knew letters, you know. Yes. I know, I know where this, this impulse came in French. C'est la, la pulsation. Mm-hmm. It's a very beautiful word. It's like, it's like where, 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 does, where does that pulse, pulse come from? And I know oh. where it comes from. And so always there's emergence. And, you know, when you teach French immersion, you, you have a lot of fear at the beginning. I started in grade two. And so they had learned to read in French and then they learned to read in English, but their French just went. Poosh. And hmm. it was so awesome to see the emergence of these little children. And so I, I feel I learned a lot through, through teaching children and, and really literally seeing their minds tick. By the end yeah. of January, you go, wow. I mean, these are really smart persons. <laughs> yeah. Kids are underrated often, right? Oh my yeah. gosh, to- totally. Yeah. So, so somehow it kept me connected to the emergence of, of learning, of, mm. of, of curiosity, of, mm. of and I, I adore teaching. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, and then when it kind of dried up on me, it was really a horrible couple of years because letting it go and resigning was like a divorce mm. in a way it mm. had that kind of a grief to it and yet i i, I started studying and i i found my own mind again and, and and it became not all about the children and not all about the staff and not all about contributing and not all about sitting on committees da 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 right and and then i really started to um emerge into my own as a writer when i freed myself mm. up to have a private practice and work one-on-one, and I knew I needed to work with adults and no longer with children. Yeah. And so that, that was another form of emergence. Uh, studying gave me back my mind, and my first course at St. Stephen's College was feminist theology. I had no idea what that beast would look like. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and it yeah. was such a breakthrough. One of the first things we did is we watched three videos on the burning times, the witch burning times, oh. and how women disappeared, and it just... It just opened up a whole area of um, wanting to know how women felt. And as I, as I watched the videos, I could feel in my bones yeah. that, that, that whole phenomenon and why we're so goddamn scared so much of the time yes. as women. Yes. We can always get attacked. We can always get nixed. We can always... And because as I had developed professionalism and... Um, I thought, no, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to. And so the poetry urge at that point was very, very strong. And I just I just got into it, joined Stroller Poets Society, yeah. joined the Writers Guild of Alberta, mm-hmm. joined everything I could, and went into it and yeah. developed a practice and was really serious about it. Even if I was uh, mothering, mentoring three stepchildren at the time, I still did that. I still wrote my master's thesis. Yeah. And writing my master's thesis... Um, you know, there are those days when you're writing a big project and it's going well. And I just thought, oh, my God, I would really, really like everybody in the world that I love to be able to have this feeling mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. loving writing like I do right now in this moment. And somehow a couple of weeks later, I just had this idea to start a writing writing seminars and I did I did it for 17 years and that's the wind eye seminars the wind right eye writing seminars. Yeah. yeah yeah so part of my writing life has been to to transmit this love to make space for this love and it the seminars were all women oh I love that it ended yeah. up it ended up being like that and guys would say well why can't how come how come you know 
how come you don't have men in your seminars? I said, well, they've been invited, they don't come. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, that they didn't. Huh. It just, it happened that way and we didn't force it. Right, But right. one of the things I did in the seminars also is that I would invite guest readers, especially people who were just going to get a book launch. They had been told they would be published and it takes a while to publish. Yes, yes. And so I would invite them to come and read to us. Mm. As a practice run, as as a, as a way to 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 begin to put their stuff out there. So yeah, yeah. So that's another form of emergence. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, I, I tried. I, I I once I got into it, I brought everything I knew into it. Right. So it almost feels like you kind of emerge on on like what you're feeling in that in that moment in time, and just allow yourself to to try new things and experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when, yeah. I was, uh, when I was a teacher, I, I was asked to do resource room in French, and there were no resources, so I had to create them. I had to go buy books, um, speak to consultants. Right. So basically, nobody could tell me what to do, but I had to do a good job. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. yeah. Because uh, I, was, I was teaching at Greenfield School in Edmonton for 12 or 13 years, and these parents were really behind you as a French immersion mm. teacher, and, and their kids had to excel. Oh. They expected, you know, no less than at least a master's for each of their children. Right. So <laughs> even if they were in grade two, you know, you had to perform. And so I kind of, I, I started putting things together and it worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. And, and so I think that was also my training. Mm-hmm. And so it made me able to have a kind of a gutsiness and... Um, Although it, 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 has, it has to do with really loving what you're doing. Yeah, I think so. With at yeah. some point in your life, you quit something and, right. you know, there's a breakup. <laughs> yeah. But, but then when, when, when somehow when I hit upon something that calls me, I follow the calling. Mm. That's what I call it. Yeah. I follow the calling. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to an even earlier emergence. Uh, you were born uh, and raised a Franco-Albertan in the Peace River region of northern Alberta. And throughout all of that time, you remained committed to operating as an artist with two official languages. Right. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship to language and how that feeds your artistry and poetry? Uh, yes, I can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Did you answer Great. the question? Next question. <laughs> I was... Um, at first, when I started writing, I would write in English, and then I would write. I would try to write equally in French, and really proper, correct French. And when I wrote in English, I had French words sneaking in there right. all the time. And there was a sense of I speak English with a French accent. And when I make a mistake in English, they say, "Oh, it must be the French." And my French is not really the best French in the world. It's Northern Alberta French, and mm. it's a dialect. Mm-hmm. And I was in a class with Eunice Scarf at the Women's Writing Week at the Faculty of Extension, and she read to us from Sandra Cisneros' book, The House on Mango Street. It's a book written in short <clears throat> little vignettes mm. of a life, and they're very poetic, and she writes English with a Spanish accent. She writes it that way. She writes it that way. Interesting. Eunice read us five of the vignettes. And all of a sudden, ta-da! I thought, oh my God, I don't have to separate my language. I don't have to write that boring French poetry that I write. It's awful. Mm -hmm. I will 
use both mm -hmm. as much as I want all the time. So Eunice said, okay, all of these little vignettes sort of come out of a very strong emotional something in Cisneros' life. So right now I want you to make a list of 20 very emotional situations from, you know, <laughs> since you can remember until today. Yeah. Make a list. And before you leave today, you must write two vignettes. Mm. And that never stopped. Mm. I wrote two. I, and after that, I would get up in the morning and write. And that, that's the book. That's the book. That's the book. That's how, that's how yeah. The Edge of the Village came to be. That's right. Oh, how interesting. And that day I was sitting there and I had almost not gone to class because I was so bloody busy. And I just thought, I, I have too many details on my plate. Ah. And somehow, soon after, the title of the book was Details from the Edge of the Village. Yeah. Because we lived on the edge of a very small village. I mean... My neighbor was a wheat field. Right, right. <laughs> flat, flat. So, yeah. It's a beautiful, I love the title. I think it's a great title. Yeah. 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 And it says and so much. The the, um, the people at Frontenac kept the title too. So again, it's it's one of those one of those things that happened. And whenever whenever that thing zings me, mm -hmm. uh, I follow it. Yeah. I, I, I move with it. Yeah. I mean, I still get up at five in the morning, and that's how Ooh. the book was written at five in the morning. And, and I'd get up, and I would literally take a, a steno pad, right, and then run to yeah. the, there was a little, there was a little um, office on top of the old garage, and I'd go, I'd go write them in there. And, you know, we had three kids living with, three yeah, yeah. kids living with us. But it's the, this drivenness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm fourth of 11, so I was, you know, oh. I worked in the middle of a huge industry. We made life happen. We made food happen. We made mm -hmm. uh, ironing happen. We, yeah. And, and so, you know how to carry a whole bunch of things and bounce things in the air and then. <laughs> yeah. Four, but f fourth child of 11 children? Yeah. Wow. Seven yeah. brothers. Ooh. Oh. That was good training to be an elementary school teacher. I bet it was. No little boy got the better of me. <laughs> I bet. For some reason, like, my math just wants it to be, like, like four girls and then immediately seven boys. But I imagine it would have been a little one bit One boy, three girls, five boys, one girl, one boy. Okay. Huh. I don't know how you predict that, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You don't and predict that. You yeah. just be a French Catholic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them coming. Um, so you're also going to be a part of uh, She the River, which is Rianne's uh, braided poetry event that she's producing, and it takes place in Edmonton on March 19th. I don't know if Rand's going to give us any details well, on think, it outside of that. Yeah. Or that's kind of, that, that sort of describes it. There's going to be... Ten, right. Ten, ten. Um, yeah. So she, the river is. Um, it's a braided, multicultural, multi generational, and multilingual lingual um, event. Uh, we have nine female poets um, that are a part of the production, and it's going to take place at the Royal Alberta Museum um, at seven p.m. on March. 19th and Pierrette is one of the poets that's going to be a part of the event but the idea is to showcase the the stories of all these women's journeys on stage and then to see how um, we intersect together where we intersect together where we meet on our journeys as women and where we don't and to just be in that space together of sharing stories 
um, as women to take joy in kind of how we connect as as human and, and as humans and as women. And so Pierrette is going to be uh, a big part of that event. And um, and then, yeah. yeah, I'm very excited for it. Uh, can you share uh, the poem you'll be presenting at the event? And yes. maybe before you read it, can you talk to us a little bit about why you chose the poem? Because mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Ran gave you free reign. She didn't try to control it. No. Wow. That's a lot of trust. Well, this, this poem is, is called Parting in Three Parts. My uh, my only son lives in Montreal. He's been gone for quite a few years. Mm. Uh, he loves it there, and it's a long-distance relationship with my son and my 10-year-old granddaughter. And um, even though I had seven brothers... Having a son was a huge stretch because I am a woman, I am mm-hmm. female, and there's a lot of guesswork, and it's it's tricky to be a mom um, in many ways, and I've always tried to be a good mom and to make sure not to um, not to impose too much feminine on him, and yet um, he's a very highly sensitive person. And um, has you know has has had anxiety and stuff like that. We've we've worked with that, and well, I had training in psychology. And uh, you know, when I go visit him, it's very intense because we're I'm there for a week or ten days. Yeah. And it's, it. So, one of the Christmases I went uh, to his place, and it had been a really good visit. And he gets a little owly before I leave. Mm. Oh, because he's going to miss you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it can show in different ways. But anyways, okay, so I get to Montreal. It's plus 16. It's Christmas time. But the day before I am to leave, there's a huge storm. Mm. So that night, he goes out and shovels. And he's really happy about the shoveling. He's going to get the car out. He's going to put it on the street because he's driving mom to the airport tomorrow morning. And that night, we're all a little strange because we're detaching again. Right. <laughs> and, um, well, it had rained before it had snowed. Therefore, as much as shuffling as he did, he tried to get out and it was zing, zing. Yeah, just... And he I'm... came in and he was furious. I don't mind shuffling, but I fucking hate being stuck. <laughs> and I looked at him and I thought, oh, he's going into distress. Mm. Even though your child is like 40 years old, you feel that he's going into distress. <laughs> and his girlfriend and I thought, hmm, we're going outside, we're going to go help. And this is kind of how it came. And uh, I, just, I just felt that night as if somehow I was helping him out of the distress of his very, very horrible birth. He nearly died at birth. Oh. Um, mm. um, and then I had to have an emergency cesarean. And so when he said, I fucking hate being stuck, I, I kind of felt psychically that it, it came from pitting his head against the cervix, the cervix, mm. and, all and all that. Mm. So that's how that came. And it felt as if I was reassisting at his birth. And this time, we opened it up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's a big story. Right. <laughs> Okay, so that's, this is where this poem came from, and it started in, in the airport. It started happening to me in the airport and mm. in the plane. Mm. They just all written on a plane. Oh, you wrote it on the plane. I wrote it on the plane, okay. came home, polished it, sent it to him. He said, yeah, that sounds about like me. Gee. 
Okay, so he's he's read it and yeah, yeah. Okay, he doesn't stick. He doesn't stick around it very long, but he knows right. I do these things. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So here it is. <laughs> so parting in three parts. One. Airport. After misreading my boarding pass, ending up deep in the entrails of the airport, in a refugee corner, a half-smiling officer redirects me toward the mass of humanity waiting at my gate, where my heart opens raw and sharp like teeth. Two. On board. Abar. On board the usual bilingual spiel, as we taxi toward the last winter task before flight, de-icing, a strange quiet moment where, in the steady sound of the motor's hum, the hush of green suds spray, I feel the placental tug of detachment, the calm of afterstorm. Three. The day after a record snowfall in Montreal, feeling like you could crack. The women figure out how to create attraction with cardboard boxes and car mats. So the front wheels of stuck stop digging and digging and digging themselves deeper. The way women hold the calm shovel on this last perfect and frayed holy night, their every joint locked in place holding together the brilliant mechanisms of their body, mine recalibrating to the miraculous approach of a late birthing, not quite as incredulous as old Sarah's of the Bible, yet again the impending break at the frothing brute gate of birth, the great cave of its continuance, the inevitable, the inevitable parting of waters, each moment of crowning through the wreckage of tearing open the blood, the gunk, head, shoulders, torso and arms, legs dangling, beings bright burning in the throat, each birth a miracle. Out women, get out of the way! Get out of the way, Christ Almighty! L'homme au volant prend son air d'aller, backs up the goddamn black, VW revs up the fucking motor to the max and lets fly straight out over the snow like the cock's first crow. Whoa. <laughs> what an interesting arc mm -hmm. and shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you only get the energy from the reading, or like, you, like more so, more so when you read it, the, the energy of the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, like hearing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. you put your energy into the into the words. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, I. Ooh. I'm excited. <laughs> that's going to be a part of She the River. <laughs> yeah. When I was choosing, I thought, yeah, it's going to be that one. <laughs> yeah, it does. But I remember reading it at the wine and uh, wine and women. Yeah, I remember reading it, and a woman came to me after, and uh, she was kind of glassy eyed. You know, the way people are when a poem moves them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she said, I really love what you said about, you know, once a mother, always a mother. And yeah. your babies are always your babies. And, and I mean, I, I love all my seven brothers and I've always been respectful to them and yeah. of the masculinity. And, and, I mean, my youngest brother was extremely sensitive, really, yeah. really sensitive. And um, 
yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a trip. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's interesting though, like as a, you know, you yourself have talked about it, you know, being so, you yourself have been so involved in feminism and, you know, the story of woman and, and, and the power of women. And then, but also so respectful of uh, manhood, right. And, and men's needs and, and desires. And I really appreciate that lens because I think sometimes even myself, I forget to have that lens because mm-hmm. I come, I become more focused on um, my own, um, you know, needs as, as a feminist and, and mm-hmm. with a mother of two boys, I sometimes forget about that need to allow the manhood to, to shape and take place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that poem is really striking and evident of that, right? Mm-hmm. That how mm-hmm. you kind of still allow that lens to be mm-hmm. a, an Thank important you. part mm-hmm. of yourself. Yeah, it's been yeah. a really, really important part of my, of, of, of my, uh, my upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> I think of my ethics in a way, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I imagine having seven brothers just shapes some of these things, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a very, a very masculine kind of home, but my mother was also very, very feminine and loved being a woman. My father, my father really loved her as, she was mm. oh they were so different um <laughs> but yeah and my, my mother's my mother's soft touch and um i mean she her her objective was to was to make beauty with very little you know oh. she 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 did it and i think in french or she you see she uh, succeeded yeah mm. and you see has a different cachet than succeeded yeah, <laughs> yeah. succeeded is more masculine um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she'd say, Les enfants, accordez-vous. And uh, it means, you know, in this family, we can fight, we can swear, we can, but we make up and we love each other. Right. And accordez-vous means uh, let's all remain in accord here. Mm. We'll have some peace in this house. Right, right. And under, under that, we will have beauty and organization and good food and. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> now I'll go to bed and sleep with the bed in the morning. <laughs> the food, the food like sounds it. like a bribe. I like it, I like it. Oh, yeah, a good cinnamon bun she made. <laughs> oh, oh, I like a good cinnamon bun. Um, hmm. So I guess in line with what you're talking about, like your your work really speaks to like the margins, um, you know, even in, in spaces where French and English can't exactly talk to each other. And I'm wondering, um, how do you hope people will engage with these two languages, especially if, you know, their French or their English isn't as good or, you know, comprehensible? Um, I've I've gone beyond hope and I've been very, very active, very (laughs) active in offering, you know, in offering how blessed I feel to be bilingual and... How I love that I'm always translating in my head. If I'm reading a great poem in English and uh, there's this line, I go, I wonder, I wonder what that would be like in French. Mm-hmm. Or if there's this wonderful French word that I don't understand, I kind of look it up and then I look up the translation and I fiddle around with that and, and it's like I, I go about translating all the time. What I've written in French is that my two languages speak to one another all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to argue about uh, with them. The, the moment I realized I could play with the two languages, uh, it, it freed me. 
and then my poetry became really accepted when I did that. And so I try, like I say, I, I, went, I went even beyond hope by offering the idea of having other languages as gift, as absolute delight, as so good for the brain, so good for the heart, so good for everybody. I mean, uh, people in Northern Alberta say like pea soups or frogs or go home or don't pour your language down my throat. And I thought, well, uh, there are two languages here, so yeah. you're stupid. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't say that. I don't, I don't engage stupidity. It gets nowhere. It could get you can get you a punch in the face too <laughs> but i find that like with a, with a lot of um poets that are writing in two languages or maybe not a lot some poets that are writing in two languages will offer the translation of mm-hmm. the other language in their book and you do not you ask people to come on the journey with you and mm-hmm. to yeah have you ever considered um offering translation or like what is your thought on that do you want people to translate the language or do you want them to just feel it in the French like what is your what is your kind of you know both um I want them to hear that French exists yeah all around and not only French but a lot of other languages exist all Mm -hmm. around and just stop being bothered that they are speaking in their language right well Mm. gee um do you want them not to breathe that's about asking you not to speak your language is asking you not to breathe not to be not to exist as you are um and I also um, I also do a lot of translating for people, a lot mm. of it. If they want it, I, I do a lot of translating. A lot of people have said to me that the most beautiful surprise I had when I started doing half and half, just just because I needed to stand up in my bilingualism, mm. and that and that that it was a value for me, and that I was lucky to be bilingual. Yes, you are. And to and to model that, is that people would say, "I like when you do that because I realize that I." catch much more French than I think I know. Oh, yes. And a, lo- a number of people have said, this is being Canadian. We do have it around us. And my purpose is to make it be around us. Yeah. Not not to not to shirk or to try to stay in, in my little French community. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's but I also well think yeah. I also think translating can be really good too. Yeah. I think both both are important. Okay. Um so uh, the land, and then particularly particularly Alberta and your relationship, you know, to this place, um, also seems to play a large part in your body of poetry. Um, and you also wrote and produced the French play Les Blues des Les Blues des Oubliés. Les Blues des Oubliés. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, you trace the roots of your own bilingual history back in time, and you, the play has been called an homage to the pioneer francophone woman of Alberta caught between identities and the languages that go with them. Um, how closely does this resemble your experiences as a modern woman or an, as a modern poet? Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Oh, yeah, I still, I, I still write about that, but I am less and less caught between mm. identities because through writing, I have been able to, to work through the complexity of being francophone in Alberta and to come through um, by moving into the complexity of it, uh, to come through happy that I am bilingual and to find ways of transmitting that. Um, Mm -hmm. When I would go into schools, uh, when I was poet laureate, I would say to people, I would ask people, how many of you speak a language other than French and English at home? Yeah. And I would say, speak it. 
if you lose your language, you lose part of your soul, there were tears. Yeah. And so in struggling with my, my dual identity, right. I also got to look to see that, that basically my bilingualism comes from my paternal grandparents who, who were raised on the island of Jersey in the English Channel. They were Francophone, but mm. they were of the servant class, so they had to learn English. So my grandmother spoke proper English and and both français with a, a funny accent. Mm. A Jersey accent is funny. And, you know, she liked her tea and she did not drink, you know, tea bags because those were just sweepings from the bottom <laughs> of the bin, you say. So I, I still have, I still drink loose tea, black loose oh, tea. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it is all, it is so, so interesting. So it's to discover your, yeah. it's to discover your roots and they are bilingual. And I remember this one radio announcer who interviewed me quite a bit when I was poet laureate about, you know, French twist and stuff like that. Mm. told me one day, don't say you're bilingual, say you're French. And I had a really, really big, mm. awful reaction inside, and he could see that I thought, mm, no. So he said, well, you know, how, do you, how do you qualify yourself as a writer? Mm. I said, Michel, I am in purlaine bilingue. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool bilingual. Mm. And I said, if I pretend that I don't have the other language, I am halved. Mm. Je suis moins que moi. Mm. Alors, yes, I am bilingual. Yes, my roots are francophone. I'm an Albertan. To live here healthily, you have to speak English. And, and I, it's a part of who you are. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think anybody in the francophone community <laughs> has ever said that. Mm-hmm. So I'm a half and half. I am both. Right. And I'll, there are a lot of us. So I've learned to speak for the lot of us. And all others who speak all other languages. Right. Which embarrass or annoy or make people worried. Well, okay, let's stop worrying and maybe see the wealth in it. Right. That's a little bit... Yeah. Uh, part of my... How I live a certain ethical imperative. Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> There's so much beauty to be lived. Like, why stay small and narrow and... Yes. Bitchy and harmful... And why constrain it? Why can yeah? Why constrain it to only right. one aspect of the world, right, or mm-hmm. one language of the world? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, mm. You kind of brought it up in the previous question, and we also mentioned in your bio, but you were Edmonton's sixth poet laureate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess would you mind sharing with us a little bit about like kind of what you hope to achieve when you kind of like first stepped into the role, and maybe like one of the greatest achievements or things that you, you know, took out of it. Maybe, and maybe those two things align, maybe they don't. Mm. Well, broadly speaking, I got to know my city in a pretty intense, global, and at the same time, intimate way. Mm. Um, 99.9% of the people were fantastic. I did mm. 200 events in two years. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow. But that includes the, that includes the, the radio and the TV sure, and the still. interviews. Um, I did, and uh, a project that I really, really liked was the, the mural project that we did. I, mm. I My poem is on a mural in City Center Mall, and it, it was this poem called This City Edmonton, Notre Ville Péonan, and I had written the English version to go pitch it to the people at um, uh, City Center Mall, and uh, they loved the poem, and then I wrote it in French. And then I was walking in the ravine, and I felt something was missing, something was missing, something was missing. And I went to 
the music conservatory and walked all around that area and all of a sudden I thought Cree is missing a First mm. Nations language is missing and I can't write that but I thought of Naomi McElwraith my mm. she's lovely she's a lovely poet friend yeah and I thought I'm going to ask Naomi to write Cree echoes I'm gonna phone I'm gonna ask her if she would do that and she did it mm. so the poem became trilingual and uh, so that was that really was a highlight. It took about a year for that project to evolve. We found the wall. We didn't get the wall. We found the wall. <laughs> we didn't get the wall. And then we got, you know, a shopping mall. I'm not a shopping mall chick. Yeah. yeah. But you know the way they received us, it made me try to think about a way. It made me think about the city in a way that I would not have thought about had I not mm. been invited to do that. Again, the whole idea of I think one of the best things about being poet laureate and so intense about poetry is you're invited to do this, you're invited to do that, yeah. you're invited. And every invitation pulls something out of you mm -hmm. toward a certain facets of the city. So it was a, a completely <laughs> multifaceted kind of existence for two mm. years. Intense, intense, intense. Um, but I, I'd like to read a little bit about, uh, a little bit, uh, can I read a few lines about this uh, city poem? Yes, sure. And it, it touches on, on your project, uh, Rianne, of, of, you know, She the River. Ah, okay. And so part of the poem goes like this. I'll do the bilingual thing. I can't do the Cree, which I'm sorry about. But it goes, this city is a song. It's stung the river. It's first voice, the wind. Et le vent, et le vent souffle, le vent se vante à ciel ouvert, chante son hymne, son psaume. This city is Earth's sonner song of weather, a percussion of thunderheads and lightning, of hail and a drizzle and fog patches. La foudre, les éclairs, la grêle, la bruine, le brouillard. This city sings a long song of winter. Cette ville est rafale verglas, this city hummed an incantation of snowfall. Que la neige, neige, que la neige, neige. Then the shovels coarse scrape and lift. Its shifty silt slip off the shovel. Que la neige, neige. Ensuite il faut pelleter, déblayer. This city is spring's onomatopoeia of thaw. Les giboulées ensevelissent et Mars fait claquer la porte, se rendort encore, coule, coule et recoule les rigolades des rigoles vers l'équinoxe vernal. Le printemps entonne le cantique des cantiques de la vallée verdoyante. This city is the song of songs of the miraculous greening valley with its breathing spaces, its whiz of bicycle paths, its sleek runners and the rumble of skateboarders, its friendly barks on walking trails. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so again, oh, I don't think it ends blah, like blah, that. Blah, blah, yeah. <laughs> but again and again and again. So it's this city uh, is, this city is, this city is, this yeah. city is. Yeah. Um, and so that was a, a big, uh, that was amazing, you know, project. And every yeah. every encounter, every school, every everything I did in bars, every fundraiser, <laughs> um, I created a fringe event under a tent. Daniel Cornoyer, Cité Francophone, said, I got. I finally got the whole street blocked, and I've got a big tent in the street, and I've got to fill it for four nights. Do you think you could fill a night? And I said, "How long?" And he said, four hours." You have four hours, and I went, "Woohoo!" I was gonna, I a part of that? Yes, yes, I was. I'm, okay. going, I'm, going, to do, I'm going to do my multilingual, <laughs> multicultural thing that night. Yeah. 
But okay, so in your poem, uh, De Belle Noche? Nos. Nos. Des Belle Nos. It means uh, the beautiful the, wedding. The beautiful wedding. You expertly blend both your languages, as you know, as we've, we've seen this evening, and you talk about the marriage of two people. Um, but it seemed to me as I was, I was reading it that you, you've really you've created a marriage of your two languages in yes. that poem, right? <laughs> yes. and, and so is that something that you... I mean, you've, you've touched on this, but is it something that you simply feel and do? Or are you very conscious about what lines you're creating in French and what lines you're creating in, in English? That's a really interesting question. I, I feel, Rianne, that it's both. Okay. It's, it's something I, I feel and do all the time. My, my brother, I'm the fourth, my brother Jacques is the fifth. And when, when in our house things would get really tense, mm -hmm. we'd start being really, really silly and saying really silly things Silly rhymes. He had a way of sometimes, you know, talking words back backwards. Oh, some, some gibberish, and so um, I, 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 you know, we felt we felt our way into this. It's almost dissipating of tension, hmm. and we did it until people laughed. Okay, you know. Yeah. So we were just being silly, playing with words, and and. We were never forbidden to say any words. We're like we weren't told, no, 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 parle juste français à la maison. No, we're just speaking French in the house. I understand why people do that. I think mm -hmm. it's right for a child to learn. You know, mom speaks French, dad speaks English, but we never had <laughs> any of that. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 disciplining rules were minimal because <laughs> there were lots of there was a lot of you. <laughs> yeah, there were basic rules. So yes, I. I I, f I feel it out, um, but I, I, I also can mention that I, my poetry comes to me auditorily quite a lot, mm. and so something starts playing in my ear, the way Jacques, my brother, and I used to riff off each other and make people laugh. It's a, little bit, ah. it's a very funny poem because <laughs> the, 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 the couple is, is un vieux garçon puis une vieille fille, like, like a bachelor and, and someone who never thought would marry. Uh -huh. Not, no, she, how could she be such a beautiful bride? Because she was always échevelée, like her hair was always funny and she was very intellectual and on many committees and he was right. just just a little short little, you know, boyfriend and, you know, he sort of paced behind her. They made a nice couple. They were wonderful. Right. And when they got married, they were like freaking radiant. Oh. Yeah, and, and so it was an event for... Everybody in the village. Yeah. Like we'd all go to we'd all go to the wedding mass. We weren't invited, but the whole village went because it was mass. So you went to mass, but you got to see the bride. Oh, you got to see the wedding. The bride and the groom, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so this is what it's about. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a okay. poof. Okay. So it goes like this. Des Bernos. La mariée wears a cream-colored bridal gown and fairy tail shoes. Imagine toi qu'elle a même un couvert des souliers elle-même pour matcher sa robe. She appliqued flowers from leftover wedding gown fabric, even sheathed the heels with pieces of satin cut from in between the flowers. Oh, thank God it wasn't raining that day. Puis qui qui aurait cru qu'une vieille fille puis un vieux garçon aurait pu trouver leur match just like that? Two d'un coup, they found each other. 
It happened so fast. Et puis qui qui aurait cru qu'elle aurait fait une si belle mariée, une mariée si éblouissante et qu'elle était toujours pas mal échevelée, qui était toujours pas mal échevelée. Who would have thought qu'il avait donc l'air heureux puis que c'était beau à voir et puis que ça tu fait des beaux portraits de noces sur les marches. Coming out of l'église du Sacré-Cœur at midday, there they were, the couple, the perfect couple, two tiny figurines on top of a three-tiered wedding cake, the prince and the princess, and à l'occasion de leur mariage, the whole village was there watching in awe. <laughs> I love watching you read your stuff because you really become, you just become such a part of it. Yeah, it's a wonder. It's a very great poem, and I do love that mixing of the French and English, and just being allowed to be drawn into it. Um, so, if if we were to ask you what you hope people take away from your work, do you have do you do you think about what you hope people take away from your work, or do you leave it open? Both. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for example, when I created the Wind Eye Writing Seminars. What I, what I really wanted people to take away from engaging in poetry uh, was the absolute beauty of language and um, like it, it's an inexhaustible resource. I mean, mm -hmm. I think of all the writers who, if you sit down with your journal or at the computer and you, you're writing, basically you belong to this ancient club of scribes, of writers, of people, you know, yeah. putting down words. And everybody can do it. I mean, I, my great tours could write poetry in French, and they were anglophones. So that, those were miracles that led me to say, well, you know, it doesn't belong just in the academy. It just, c'est quoi les bons poèmes? What is a good poem? Mm. Well, a good poem is one that moves you. And because I'm so auditory, I don't like watching TV much, but I do listen to a lot of radio. Uh -huh. And it's like people came to the seminars who had never written, who kind of had this inkling that maybe they'd like to. And people started like going to bookstores and buying tons of books and, and, and they've done awesome things. Yeah. Because it was sort of an open place where you could come and write and you could come once a month and you belonged and I connected them to the Writers Guild of Alberta, the Troll right. Society Poetry Festival and so it was another another form of, of transmission transmitting transmitting what I love and when yeah. you transmit what you love you don't fail <laughs> Yeah, you know so what I hope for people to take is the fact that they can write poetry, they can understand yeah. poetry, they can share in that, um, in, in a profound way of being and expressing your being. You, you express who you are, I mean, as an individual. That's, that's, that's sort of my hope and it does work. <laughs> I, I, and a, a thing that informed my poetry a lot is I, I read a lot of writers on writing as I was doing mm -hmm. the seminars and these people were like total mentors to me enriched mm -hmm. yeah so for me it's always about enriching okay it's about it's about <laughs> seeing potential right i mean i remember the birth of jacques Gilles, guy charles michel marilyn richard i remember seven births mm -hmm. of I your saw, siblings i saw these 
gorgeous. My mother liked her little babies. <laughs> we had nice babies. And I and I saw them. I saw. Them, I mean, I saw these these brothers grow into pretty amazing grown men. And my sister is awesome. So it's all related to the to the writing and why I think it's important um, expressing who you are. I mean, I think yeah. of I think of Hubert Reeves, an astrophysicist who actually goes and does poetry readings with symphony orchestras around the world. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, a die-hard scientific. To me, these kinds of blendings are miracles. Yes, they are. <clears throat> They're yeah. miracles, yeah. And, and any serious poet will understand the scientific mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. And I, when I mean serious, I don't mean stuffy. I, I just mean committed. Yeah. Committed. Making space in your life for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so after sharing all of that kind of like personal connection to your poetry, um, I know that you had been interested in sharing uh, a new poem mm -hmm. with us that you had recently just written. So I don't know if you feel like reading that now for us. Okay. Um, if you sure. want to introduce it to yeah. just okay. read it straight. Well, another thing... Um, about poetry is that it is very very useful in very hard times if you can if you can withstand going deep down in the ground chakra of you and in the belly and, and feeling all of the emotions and staying with it um, you will probably come up with some pretty awesome poetry mm -hmm. that will really really help others and um, <clears throat> I really believe that poetry can save a life. Um, mm. When my mom had Alzheimer's, um, it was very hard, and I was fortunate to have a lot of siblings, so there was not one person stuck right. <laughs> with dealing with it. And so my youngest sister-in-law happened to be a nurse, so she took that over. My oldest sister <clears throat> took over the organization of wherever mom moved. My mom moved into a lockup unit. It was hell. <laughs> and the last time I went... Um, was very difficult and uh, for me and after I left the lockup unit I sat in my car and I wept and wept and I knew I could not go back mm. to it. I knew that if I went back, if I if I kept going, I would fall in a deep hole and probably never get out. So it's a mm. decision I made and I went home and I phoned five of my siblings and said, I'm not going anymore. Mm. I cannot do it. Which mm in a sense, was a good thing to do because my brothers who had not dared, the brothers who had not dared to go didn't realize they had to. Right. So sometimes when you push, push, push yourself and you see you're on an edge um, and you withdraw and make it damn sure that you're withdrawing and that they know, it opens up room for others to say, well, okay, maybe I need to do it. And this is what came out of it. Wearing it dress of roses as big as cabbages she sang, made up a song for her locked-up mother, whose keen mind had become a scratch of twisted thorns. The mother grabbed and grabbed, bunched fists full of stretchy synthetic fabric, bent, blew hard and spat into the heart of the roses. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's really right there. Yeah, crazy. She was crazy. 
Oh, I was expecting like this, you know, longer poem and, and, but it, kind of it really got me. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah, like just the. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was really, I'm a little speechless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us, Pierrette. You're welcome. And thank you for everything that you've shared with us this no, evening. Thank you. It yeah. Was, it was an honor to have this place to talk about all of these complex things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been really wonderful. Um, I guess we should also say um, thanks to Gravinder Batia and the WGA for being amazing partners and supporters of this podcast. Um, and if you're interested in joining us, because I confirmed my attendance, <laughs> uh, for She the River on March 19th, tickets are available at Ticks on the Square or Glass Bookshop now. Yeah. And to keep up to date on the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at let's underscore lit and subscribe and listen to the podcast at audioboom.com and more places where you listen to your favorite podcasts. And... Yes. Oh, we're going to refill our glasses because yeah. we have a always a symbolic cheers to <laughs> to end the evening. Would you like more wine? Always. Oh. Give more to yourself. <laughs> he did already. I, okay. No, I no, I haven't yet. <laughs> no, don't give me. <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one who has to drive. So that's true. I don't have you. to drive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Matthew? Cheers to this. Matthew, Leanne, thank you so much. Thank you, Pierrette.